morning, heart and soul. Let me just acknowledge, sometimes I am like so in the, in the groove and there's something about this morning's devotional time that had me drop in even more deeply than I sometimes do. So I have to kind of remind myself that I'm not just not just me here, there's, a, there's some of us doing this. So good morning, heart and soul, more officially. And welcome, welcome to, to our adventure in faith, very intentionally, where we are declaring and setting our attention on our intention to move forward together. Now, when I think about this notion of moving forward together, you know, I'm still playing with this time between the master teacher Yeshua that the world ultimately came to call Jesus, resurrection to the ascension where there's all of this teaching and coaching, I'm going to say, because that's a, that's a term that we have begun to use and I think we understand it born out of the sports idea of coaching, which is the concentrated focus. And the focus is on improvement. So my sense is that the master teacher was coaching the disciples who were becoming apostles to be sent out into the world to teach and practice themselves. So if you were with me last Sunday and Again, I know we had a, a bit of a glitch during the service and the broadcast of it, so I, I want to begin with this kind of mind map that, that I uh, got in, that, I, that came to mind, that's what I want to say, this mind map that came to mind, this depiction, this image that I'm going to ask them to put up for you now that reminds us that in addition to the five senses that we all learned through school, that there really are a couple of others as well. And uh, I want to just make sure I bring it up for me as well. And that these, these five senses, first of all, I want us to think about what we mean by senses. So it's not just functionality. So today I want to talk about sight. So it's not the functionality of the ocular system. We're talking about sensing. And what is, even as I say the word, I find myself kind of rubbing my fingertips together because there's, it's nuanced in that way. It's not just what I hear because that's just, I'm hearing noises all the time. But often, I don't even know what that noise was. You've been in a group where you're like, what was that? And most of the people are saying, I don't know what, you, what you're talking about. And you're like, well, I heard something. You're like, well, I didn't hear it. So we're not, even when we talk about our hearing as a sense, we're not talking about your ability to, um, your ability to get noise in your eardrum. We're talking about your ability to discern what is that. Yeah? And likewise with our taste and our smell and our touch, 
And then the two additional ones are this notion of thought, the discipline and intentional thought and, and vibration that we would recognize as telepathy. You see me? It's, it's the nuance of that, yes? Okay, all right, so. And then the, that would be six, and then seventh would be Well, the untrained version of it is instinct. It's your gut. I don't, I don't know, but I feel it. But the trained, intentional aspect of that is intuition and the vibration of our soul perception. This is, I just feel like I have to like do this to us, for us, because it's, it's sensing it. It's the sense of touch that I'm demonstrating here on some level, but it's, I'm also wanting to, to demonstrate or give the idea, that's right, baby, that's right, just the sense of touch, just the sense of perception, the sense of discernment. It's not the, it's not the absolute, the black and white of it. I think it develops into that over time. So... We're going to get to all of them, but today we're going to focus on sight. And so I'm going to take us back to where we were last Sunday when I was introducing Luke 10. And in Luke 10, look, what I want to, what I want to highlight for Luke 10, and they'll put the, the words up in a bit and you can kind of read it for yourself, but I want to highlight the energetic presence. Now, I'm making it up because I wasn't there. Oh, I love that song, In Arms Too Short to Box with God. We don't know when, we don't know where I was, that idea. So, so there's a lot we don't know about it, but I made up a story. I'm going to tell you my story here. Look, so I, I'm envisioning that, first of all, Luke says that there were, there were the 12 disciples and then there were 70 People. Well, I don't know that there were really exactly 70 people. I think 70 is giving us a number that's big enough so that we get a sense of diversity. There are a lot more people. There's a lot more energy. The vibration is higher, broader, deeper, all the things. But the energetic presence, if you can imagine, because in my life, I have been studying this philosophy and endeavoring to practice it for a number of years. Can't do the arithmetic right now in my mind because my mind's doing something else. But it's been a while. Here's the thing that I have noticed about me. That I can come to a passage that I've read and studied. I could have notes in the margin or, or a whole paper written about it. But today, I'm, I might have a different idea about that. A whole different conclusion. Now, that may not be true for y'all, but for me, I have grown since I studied it the first time. The mind that took it in and made those first notes and highlighted, because sometimes I look at it and I'm like, I don't know who highlighted that part, because this other part is the part that needed highlighting, and I don't even know why, how that part got in the book. Because if that had been in the book the first time I read it, I know I'd have highlighted it. I'd have circled it and put an asterisk. But none of that was done. Why? Because my consciousness was not there yet. 
When I read that the first time, it might, you know how we do, like that just went over my head. I don't even know what that meant then. But now I read it and I'm all about it. And I'm wishing that I could remove the highlights I had and highlight the new stuff. Is this making sense? Am I the only one? But my sense is it's not the book, it's me. I have shifted in my awareness because I've been studying. So likewise, for the, for the disciples and the, the who come to apostles, apostles rather, so they are there learning and some relearning. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if you think about what happens when you have a teacher, you often are relying on the teacher. So a question comes up and you, teacher, but when the teacher goes, and first, before, the teacher didn't just disappear into thin air. The teacher started telling you, I'm going. You better start getting this because I ain't going to be here all the time. You're going to have to work this out. So imagine what happens to you. See, I'm just trying to humanize them. There's some fear, isn't it? It's like, well, yeah, I, I did it. If it was arithmetic, I, I did it. Or if it's spiritual, I've been practicing the principle, but... I kind of always want my coach there. You know, I, I need a third base. I, I, I need a batting coach with it because sure enough, I can hit, but I like getting the feedback. I like, but this is, I ain't going to be there always. I'll forever be with you, but I won't be with you in the same way. You're going to have to start doing this yourself. So there's lots of fear in the room, isn't it? Now, it's not equally distributed, though. Because some folks are feeling like, okay, I think I got it. But some folks are like, I don't got it. He left too soon. I ain't ready. Yes, I'm just wanting to paint the picture in a sense because what the, what the master teacher is then telling them is, look here, I am, the harvest is ready. And that means somebody, get, when you say the harvest is ready, it means somebody has to start harvesting now. You cannot wait till you get ready to harvest. So this is the very first thing is putting us on notice that the time is now. Get busy right now. I'm, I'm not just, I'm trying to tell us something right here. The time is now, y'all. And I know we're not ready. We're not feeling ready, but the time is now. We're going to have to get into the fields and start harvesting because the time is now. And then he acknowledges, I am sending you to, I'm sending you as lambs unto wolves. It's going to be tough. I ain't going to pretend like this going to be an easy thing. You are going to have to get way out of your comfort zone. Way out. There's no other way. You're going to sweat the whole way there. Yes? All right. And you can't take nothing either, is the thing. Don't take nothing. Don't take none of the stuff you've been relying on. Don't take none of it. Why? Because I want you to know that you are reliant on the principle and the process. That's all you got. Don't be take. put that backpack down. You're not taking that. I know you got your little toiletries and all the things set up to go. You know how we do. Uh-uh, you're not taking that. You are going vulnerable and vulnerable and available to whatever is there for your highest and best, which you would miss if you had your own stuff. 
If you go in there packing, you are not going to ever realize how much you need the connection of the people that you would never have even been speaking to before. Remember, we have a culture that had very stringent lines about who you could eat with, who you could talk with, who was acceptable. And the master teacher is saying, all that's off. Y'all go out there and be with all the people. What? Right? It's a revolution. It changes absolutely everything. Talk about imagining justice. Talk about moving into the thing yourself. Comfort zone blown. All of it. Yes? He's saying, eat with the people. Eat what they eat. We're like, but we're not a lot. Mm. Do what they do. Be with them. Don't try to get to the safe place. Know that you are safe wherever I am. And the I am is everywhere, always present. Come on, y'all, let's go with this. And no, I'm not even going to go there because Ernest Holmes says this, drawing from Matthew 10 and 41 in the Science of Mind textbook, he, um, it's the heading on it is the reward of true visioning. And he says that he, and, and he's quoting from uh, Matthew 10 and 41, he that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. It's talking about consciousness. What do you think is going on in your life? Because that's the reward. The way you call it, that's the way it's going to be. So this is not talking about a distinction of somebody who has the name tag prophet or somebody who has the righteous man's necklace, pendant. It's not that. It's that if you perceive it to be that, what you receive in that is commensurate, is on par with, is aligned with what you, how you identified it. I hope this is making sense. Okay, I am going, today is the day I learn that I can't come in here with 18 million slides and think I'm going to do them in a few minutes. So forgive me, Sufi and Pam, because um, I realize now I just bit off way more than I could even get in my mouth, let, enough let alone chew. So here I stand naked just trying to work it out about how we're going to do this because, because, shoot. Okay, so look at here. Let's just go with what Ernest says because this is important. He says there comes to each the logical and exact result of that one's own receptivity. You see... You're not going to get more than you can perceive yourself getting. You are not going to have more than you have prepared your inner receptivity to have. Remember how pissed off we used to get with the idea that the... By pissed off, I mean... <laughs> uh, yeah... <laughs> I really didn't mean that. I, I was going to try to clean it up, but 
Yeah, I, I really meant how, how we allowed it to disturb our consciousness. When we would hear the rich get richer and the poor get poor. You know, early on, it just felt like, now that ain't right. Because that just says I can never change my circum. But that's not what that means. That means if you haven't changed your mind about you, if you don't perceive yourself as richable, even if you don't see yourself as rich right now, but if you ain't richable, then you're going to be poorable. Which means that that's what's going to unfold in your life. Why? Because you are more receptive to poverty than you are to prosperity. And that's like a personal thing. That's an individualized activity in mind and heart. It's not that the world is against you. The world is simply giving you the principle. And the principle is that if you cannot perceive yourself as rich or richable, prosperable, then you won't get any more of that than you have. And then as if that wasn't hard enough, you know the next part is that if you get some, it's going to be taken. And it feels unfair to even consider such a thing, but it is righteous law. Why? Because you don't feel worthy. You may accidentally get it. You may find it. Somebody may, you may become a beneficiary. But trust me when I tell you, and it's not personal, it is the law. It's the way it works. You won't be able to keep that money unless you change your mind in such a way that you can see yourself with that and thriving with it. Oh, there's a part of me that wants to pull up a chair and just let us rock with this so that we can get this idea that I think this is what the master teacher was teaching the disciples, the apostles. I'm getting ready to send y'all out into the world, into a world that you've been avoiding, into a world that you've been denying. You've been trying not to watch the news and act like there's not a war. You've been acting like on the what for the stuff you like, you've been acting like we're global. And everything that's happened, and in fact, we quote it, don't we? We say if it's happening anywhere, it's happening everywhere. But not with the war. See, we pick and choose. Come on, disciples. We pick and choose around what is it that we are going to righteously see ourselves involved in. We don't see our own thinking, our own mindset as warlike. We see Putin. So we, we project all of that out on him, on them, on, on those people, on the way they do it. And we don't see ourselves. See, for all the oneness, there's only one mind. Who are you kidding? You don't believe that? Not one iota. If we did, we would be living a different life. We would know that why we call them Ukrainians, they're Andrietians. And whatever your name is, 
Okay, so I, I said something about perception. Yes, I did. Thank you. I love it. I got help. Sister needs some help sometimes. So look, the problem is not about outer events. It's about our interpretation of them. What, the meaning we give them. That's what it really is. So uh, Bud Morris says this about perception, that in A Course in Miracles, A Course in Miracles emphasizes repeatedly that your physical eyes do not see the truth about you, about your brother. And I'm going to add, sister, because I know some of us came here if I don't do the gender balance. But look, I, I just, I'm not mad at you because we got work to do around that. We really do. But the personal work is to not allow the unbalanced gender pronouns to keep you from getting the truth. I, I just need to say that. Okay. So there's some work to do in probably all of our documents, all of our literary work, all of that, but do not miss the truth because you mad that it wasn't he, she, and they. And I feel you, I just need to say. So it's not that your eyes, your physical eyes do not, cannot see the truth about anything because they are but giving you a perspective. And that perspective is, going, is always based on what you believe, what you think you know, who you think you are. Yes, they say your eyes are blinded by your perceptions and your past thinking. Here it comes, y'all. Get ready. You see what you wish to see. Plain and simple. Can't nobody show you anything that you don't want to see because you simply will not see it. Y'all have, you don't need me. You have examples of that in your life. Because I, I believe that there's something almost mystical about birthdays when you get enough of them. You start seeing stuff beyond the ocular system, and you see, what, what, wasn't, I, wasn't that foolish? All that time I spent arguing about something that, you, all that, my resistance to, what the, did not, why did not, all that. So look at here. It says, we are led by our erroneous thinking into the circles and cycles of an endless maze. Can you picture that? Come on, disciples. In an endless maze, until you realize your true perception comes when you close your physical eyes and see with your spiritual perception. You are being sent out as lambs unto wolves. You are going to have to use your imagination, your spiritual perception to envision a different outcome than being eaten alive by life. The world you see is what you gave it, nothing more than that. 
This is a hard teaching. Because on some level, that means we started the war. Notice how I said we, because I wasn't comfortable just now saying I started the war. But you know there is no we without an I in it. But it's us. There could not be war anywhere on this planet while we are here unless we were warlike. Unless we held a consciousness, like a place where war could be in us. For anybody who's like, whose face is all twisted up and you about to get mad at me, I just want to say either God is all there is or it ain't. There's one power or there are 20 billion, trillion, quadrillion. An infinite number, you know, infinite possibility for problems for you. Because you cannot have it both ways, disciples. I think that's what the teaching was. That that's what was happening with that. But look, here's, here, here, it's my story, I'm going to tell it. So in that room, wherever they were, or in that space, wherever they were, where the master teacher was imparting, my sense is that he let them know that the power and the glory and the love of God was everywhere. I'm sending you as lambs unto wolves, but you, each of you are going to have to know that there is a power and a glory and the love of God everywhere. And you're going to have to use your senses. Ah! Why? Because you're not going to be able to see it with your ocular system unless you train yourself to do so. Ricky Byers wrote a song about this. It says, and I can feel it. There's a power and a glory. I can feel it. It's everywhere. What? I can see it. Not with my ocular system so much, but with my inner knowing, it is everywhere. Paul, yes, I walk in the love of God. There is a wisdom. I don't know if y'all heard this part clearly. There is a wisdom, a knowing a loving and a truth. Whatever you need to know will come in God's way for you. Come on, disciples. Because you're being sent like lambs unto wolves. You're going to have to be able to know the truth and see the love and see the presence and See the wisdom and feel, to use all of your sensory perception to get to where you need to be in consciousness. So look, in Proverbs 29 and 18, <laughs> where there is no vision, the people perish. Look, here's what I found yesterday in looking more closely at this. The he in the Hebrew, one of the translations from the Hebrew says, where there is no vision, he shall be unbridled. Can you feel that? Just wild. Wild, just running wild. You're not going to know which way to go, which way is up. 
which way isn't it? Just unbridled. Can, can you feel the chaos in the absence of vision? Yes? All right. And then in John 7 and 24, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So this idea of righteous judgment is seeing through, other, through different eyes. So it's, it's not the critical judgment that we tend to have, like they wasn't raised right. You know how we do. We you just go, oh, they wasn't raised right, because I know they know better than that. But instead, it might be given that same scenario, the response might be one of empathy. It'd be one of compassion. They need something more. There's something more required. I can see, this is a very vulnerable place for us disciples, isn't it? This is the lamb part of us. Because now we have to feel. Now we have to see what we didn't want to see. We're going to have to not just hear the sound, but listen to what we didn't want to hear. You've been in the conversation before. Well, you didn't hear nothing they said because you were already thinking about, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to try to wait till they finish. But if they don't hurry up, I'm going to have to just get in here with what I have to say. So it's not that we aren't hearing. We're hearing. Like a Charlie Brown moment. That's what we hear. But simultaneously, we're hearing our own thought. That's what we're listening to. We're hearing from them. But what we're listening to is our own fear, our own doubts, our own absence of a sense of full deservability. So you see, when, when we look at my mind map, I'm saying we're going to have to develop all the senses. But right now, I want us to just park for a bit and think about sight and vision. And I was, in order to do that, I thought, because here's what happens. Just like I said with hearing and listening, we, we use them interchangeably, like they mean the same thing. So sometimes, we don't even know what the thing means, and we're using it because we just made up a meaning. Well, that's how words happened anyhow, but, you know, we're not necessarily in charge yet of the word meaning area. So look, when I looked up vision, and it goes back circa the 1300s, something seen in the imagination or in the supernatural, you better come on with vision now. Something seen in the imagination. It's the inner eye, isn't it? Or in the supernatural, which is like metaphysical. It's beyond the physical. It's beyond the material is what the supernatural is saying. It's the act of seeing. It's sight. It's about the thing seen. And it's also, I like... This I found interesting. 
that the meaning of statesmanlike foresight, political sagacity from the early 1900s, but we begin to get this idea, this sense of what we're talking about with vision. And in A Course in Miracles around vision, it says, through forgiveness, we open in us a different mode of perception, which does not rely on the body's eyes. And the body's eyes, simply the ocular system. So if they're functioning properly, like if I didn't have on my lenses, <laughs> I'd be missing a lot of stuff. You know what that optical test is like? They keep changing the little lenses, and finally you go, ooh, oh, I didn't even know that that was there, that letter. I didn't, that looked like a B to me, <laughs> you know, but it wasn't. But that's the ocular system. When you close your eyes, come on now. Acknowledge. Let's just acknowledge we see something. We're always seeing something. When we allow our eyelids to close, we have shut out the external visual stimuli, but we're still seeing. If it were the ocular system, we would not be able to see with our eyes. Come on now, ask somebody. We would not, if it were simply the ocular system that was in charge of our seeing, when you allowed your eyelids to close, you would no longer be able to see nothing. But we know that's not true. Some of us would say, I do my best seeing with my eyelids closed. And in fact, often when I'm speaking, I must close my eyelids. And it doesn't mean speaking with a mic. I mean, sometimes just in a conversation, I have to allow my eyelids to close so I can really see what I mean. Now, when you say that out loud, that doesn't even make sense. I got to see what I mean. But when you think about the supernatural beyond the material, the metaphysical, of course you got to close your, clo allow your eyelids to close because you are, are stopping all of the distractions. You're putting a curtain there so you can really see what's going on inside here. What's going on in my inner mind? What's my inner eye perceiving? Is this making sense, y'all? We see with what A Course in Miracles calls vision or true perception in the inner. The vision, vision looks past the body, seeing a holy radiance in everyone and everything. That's true vision. That's the true perception because it's there. We can't always discern it because sometimes they didn't done you wrong or you think they have. And so you can't see the beauty. Oh, but when we when we read some of the near-death experiences and people talk about those folks who have been there and live to tell it, they often have very similar stories in that they immediately saw the beauty. Everything and everyone, they saw past the judgment and projection. Stroke victims sometimes are saying, Jill... 
I forget her, uh, Bolte Taylor, thank you. Jill Bolte Taylor, doctor, uh, scientist, had a stroke and she was able to, to uh, uh, perceive it. She was able to discern what was happening to her and then wrote the book about it and gave a number of interviews and in talking about it. But what she said was that when that part of the brain was seized and flooded with blood, in her particular case, the other part of the brain gave her access to an entirely different perception of the world and her life and who she was. Oh, when we look at this, we begin to get such a different sense of who we are. We've been lied to. We've been hoodwinked around who we are and whose we are and how we really operate. But we can free ourselves, disciples. I'm sending you out like lambs to wolves, but you got what you need. Because you know that you walk with God. In the love of God. You, you know that. So you know you're going to be okay in all of this, yes? Vision sees what A Course in Miracles calls the real world. That's what Jill Bolte-Taylor was talking about that she was able to pierce through the illusion and the fear and the doubt and to see the real. Oh. A world of innocence in which everyone and everything I see will lean toward me to bless me. I'm going to ask you to breathe that in. I'm going to read it again. A world of innocence in which everyone and everything I see will lean toward me to bless me. A world of innocence. Wow. What does that part even mean? A world that we hold as innocent. A world in which everyone, not just the people I like, everyone and everything on that side it attracts to, in that neighborhood as well, in that physical clothing, not fabric, but skin and features. Everyone and everything I see leans towards me to bless me. I know I don't have to say this, but this is essential because what it's done unto us is we believe. So if we are slow on the uptake of shifting what we believe, we'll miss this entirely. Everyone and everything I see leans toward me to bless me. Look, from the Upanishads, verily, truth 
is sight. Therefore, if two people should come disputing, saying, I have seen, one of them says, I have seen, the other one says, I have heard, we should trust the one who says, I have seen. You got to love the simplicity of it. Because sight is about the aspect, the vision, it's the perception and the apprehension by means of, of the eyes, except that we're talking about the inner eye, the inner vision, the inner sight. So the one who has seen it, because they're equating that truth is sight. I love that. Seeing is perceiving with the eyes or the mind, looking and beholding. Seeing with the eyes or the mind, looking, beholding. We got work to do, folks. Inner eye work. We've been, we've been working on getting the lenses fixed so we can see the, the outer. What if we were as attentive to the inner eye? Come on now. Contacts for the inner eye. I know that's not how that works right now. But I'm saying that what if we were that demanding? I'm going to need some help with my inner vision. We make sure we get the lenses set so we can see across the room and we can read what was up close. But what about the inner eye? Who's, who's being attentive to what you're seeing with the eyelid closed? It's our time. It's our time to be attentive to what am I seeing? What am I seeing on the inside? Yeah. Look at here. Um, oh, I think I just have it here. Okay, I did that. Oh, I'm good. I'm skipping this entirely. That's a message. A little shot across the bow there. Oh, that was warlike. Okay, so we're developing our seven senses, but today our focus is on our sight, is on our vision. Here's the thing, that sometimes, at least in my life, let, let me not speak for y'all, but in my life, I know that I make things harder than they need to be. And not only that, in the lyrics of a song that Valerie Joy wrote, believing everything depends on me. Even though I know we're being sent out as lambs unto wolves, everything cannot depend on me. The greatest thing that I can do is say yes to the divine, to the living one, to the strong one, to let go and let God. Just know that I am so very, very grateful. 
grateful that Heart and Soul is a part of my life journey. Grateful that Heart and Soul is a part of the life journey for whoever is present with us in the room and virtually, and even those folks who are not with us on Sunday, but they tune in during the week. This is a thing for which I'm grateful. That if you miss it on Sunday, you haven't just missed it for the rest of your life. You can catch it on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, or next week, week after, a month later. It's always there. I am grateful. Giving thanks for the technology and the ones who work it. Giving thanks for heart and soul center of light and all that it is and offers me and makes available for those, of, those who play with us. <sighs> How good and very good it is to know that right where I am right now, right where we are right now, the whole perfect and complete nature of the living one, the strong one, imbues absolutely every aspect of our being. God is, I am. And what I know in that is that all is exceedingly well. That it's up to me to perceive it, to see the good, to see the blessing, to know that I walk in the love of God. And that on this walk, it's up to me to drink from the living water. And to not, as Valerie Joy wrote, to not continue trying to quench my own thirst. But to drink from the living waters. To be willing to be fulfilled. To be willing to be blessed beyond human measure. And that's saying a lot because there's an aspect for of my being of for many of us where we don't feel quite worthy to have infinite prosperity infinite health and well-being infinite positive relationships infinite love unconditional cherishing welcoming with joy infinite possibility available to me and me be open to it in its fullness, in its depth, that I drink from the living waters so that I will know my personal worth, my personal worth, my deservability, that the truth about the living one, the strong one, is simply the truth. And it must be the truth about me and it must be the truth about everyone. And that I can know this, that I can discern it, that I can perceive it, that I can envision this, that I can embrace this truth. Oh, I give thanks. I give thanks right now for the divine transformation of my thinking. That right now in my mind a new sprout has sprung. It's time for the harvest. It's time for the harvest to begin living from the new thought, 
from the new cause, from the new intention. Oh, how good and very good it is to just pause for a moment and know. Know this truth that there is one life and that each of us is living it, that there's one breath and that each of us is breathing it, that there's one love and that each of us is bathed in the love of the living one, the strong one, the love of God, the love of the divine. And knowing this, I know that I know that I know that my life is enhanced, that all life is enhanced in magnificent and beautiful ways. And for this, I am grateful. Grateful for the healing in the heart and mind. Grateful for the divine transformation. Grateful for the shift grateful for the way it all unfolds. I know that my word has power and the power it has is that it's the truth. And so I just rest. I rest in knowing that the power of this truth spoken must manifest. And I receive it. I open my heart. I open my mind. I open my sensibilities to receive the perfect outcome of this word. The divine transformation, the new cause set in motion that absolutely must produce a new life. We are ready for the harvest. The harvest of good awaits us now. And we get to it. And for this, I am grateful. I seal this by simply saying, Ashe, Amen. And so it is. Love matters. Truly, truly matters. Thank you, Terry.